Hello, and welcome back to another episode of Featuring Feminine, a podcast dedicated to uplifting feminine voices and disrupting the masses with our loud, confident, and profound perspectives. I am your host, Esme, and I am so happy that you are listening. This podcast episode is going to be a little bit of a love letter, a little bit of a story, all dedicated to my baby trans angels out there. I did a little poll on my Instagram to see some things that y'all might be interested in me speaking about. And something that y'all seemed to be intrigued on was the hormone process, the hormone journey. No, hormones do not make anyone trans. I want to start off with that. Plenty of trans people are just as valid as anyone else, even their cis counterparts, without using hormones to align themselves stereotypically with the sex or the body or the genitalia of which they identify as. And that's really just a disclaimer. I want to get that out of the way right away because I'm not about to be someone (laughs) making another trans person's life harder by misspeaking. Okay? So basically, this episode is kind of going to be going through my journey with my gender, my uh, kind of process of coming into myself, my process of coming into my hormone journey, a lot of the feelings, a lot of the ways that I was able to cope through certain things that are really difficult. I live in the Midwest. Um, That is not necessarily the easiest place for a trans person to come into themselves. And our baby years, our baby times as trans people leaves us in a very vulnerable position. Because when you really think about it, at least I'm going to be speaking for myself. So for myself, I am medically transitioning. I want my appearance to look differently, right? So when you're transitioning, you're in this period where people a lot of the time can tell that you were born with a penis and can tell that you are trying to be something other than that. And that can definitely put you in some less than ideal situations. Um, It affects a lot. I'm not going to sugarcoat any of this situation because I feel like doing so would not be doing my job in fully accurately displaying the trans experience. This episode is also for allies in some ways. This is a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. You know what I mean? A little bit of firsthand information from somebody who's gone through this. And hopefully this will help you understand that it's not all rainbows and unicorns. And that people like us need support. And hopefully through this podcast and hopefully through this episode, I can give some ways that you can give healthy um, support that isn't stepping out of line. You know what I mean? So let's just get right into this. Alrighty. So for some background, I grew up in the Midwest in a very religious household. I was the middle of seven children. And, you know, we spent every Sunday, Saturday, and Wednesday in the church. Um, We were always involved in the church. And the church was not just necessarily a religion to my family. It was a way of life. It was the lens to which you looked through everything. So for me personally, before I knew that I expressed any feminine qualities, back to when I was so young that you're just being yourself, you know. 
I knew that there was a lot of me that was supposedly wrong. Little nuanced ways that I was shamed for my affectations or my viewpoints or the ways that I spoke or the ways that I carried myself translated subconsciously into letting me know that there was a lot of myself that was not safe to express. So from a very early age, I began the practice of isolating and the practice of burying myself down, hiding myself. This is, you know, when you're young, when you're a child, you want love from your parents. They're really the only people that can provide you that kind of comfort. They're the people literally like putting food on your plate, hopefully. And so you listen, you know, and if your parent is telling you that this thing is bad, at least for myself, at least for my natural disposition in life and um, the intensity of the situation, I definitely buried it down. Looking back, I can see many, many things about myself as a child that really make a lot of things make sense. Um, And I've heard it said before that growing up as a queer person, a lot of the time is just a lot of unlearning a lot of the things that you knew as a child. And I think that truer words have never been spoken in relation to the trans experience. I was very, very sheltered as a child to the point where I thought, I did not know that homosexual meant you were gay. I thought that homosexual, because I'd only heard it in context of the Bible and in context of it being wrong. And, you know, we didn't talk about anything. We just said it was wrong and shamed other people for it. I literally thought a homosexual was someone who had sex at home. Yeah. So I hope that's a good indicator for how um, sheltered I was, how little exposure I had to the outside world. I thought that gay was like wearing skinny jeans. I thought uh, Justin Bieber was gay. Not because I thought that he liked men. It just, you know, would be like, haha, you have the Justin Bieber hair, you, you gay. Which is so stupid. And I did not know that trans was a thing. I really probably did not understand what transness was until like my junior year of high school. I remember one time when I was a child, probably in like middle school, my mom and I were at the mall. (laughs) That's such a funny statement to say in retrospect. Anyways, my mom and I were at the mall and somebody walked by and my mom pointed at them and said, that is a blank, a slur used for trans people. And that was it. And I just was like, that's a tall woman. (laughs) I didn't know. Um, And, you know, even in that shame, that that, uh, mechanism she was using to shame me, it really was exposing me to more things just in a negative light. So, yeah, I was very, very sheltered as a kid. But obviously when you grow up and you start going to school, things like that, Kids are mean, right? <laughs> Which isn't isn't the point of this podcast, but kids are mean. And growing up in like the 2000s in public school in the Midwest, if you're anything but a straight board, you're going to get called gay. And I was the polar opposite of a straight board. I was, <laughs> it was very justified to call me gay. Not justified to bully me, but it was very justified to be like, oh, her over there. Yeah, she's you know, 6.30, you know what I'm saying. So basically, from a very young age, I was very ashamed. And I was in no way given the tools that I deserved to properly understand who I was, what I was, who I could be. Everyone deserves exposure in proper amounts. 
especially when it's to something that is in no way harmful, like queer existence, especially when you are a child who is very obviously queer and you have a family that is aware of this and you have a family that doesn't want you to be that. You grow up being shielded from the one thing that you need to see and being exposed to all this other terrible stuff. But I digress. So as a child, even in, you know, elementary, middle school, I remember feeling very misunderstood. Not just by my family, but, you know, there are even kids in elementary school or whatever who maybe they don't have that predisposed bigotry thrust upon them. So they're able to mess with you like that. They're able to be friends with you. They're able to um, not see you as something that needs to be othered. And you're just kids. You know what I mean? But even in that, I remember always feeling like I was misjudged. I always remember feeling like there was all of these things that I wanted to do. And while it very much was like playing with Barbies and putting on a dress... Part of that was also just the way that girls interacted with each other, the way that I saw my classmates play with each other, the ways that they were allowed to express themselves. Those were all things that when I did, it was wrong or it was inappropriate because I was supposedly a boy. And even to those good-hearted people, those good-hearted little kiddos, I was still thrusting myself into a situation that was not palatable for them to understand because my facade, my outside, was not accurately indicative of who I was as a person on the inside. And I did not understand that. I am not someone who, you know, in fifth grade was praying to wake up a girl. I was not. And that's totally okay. I know as a trans person, sometimes when you've grown up in a really hateful environment and you've been exposed to a lot of hateful lies about uh, trans people, when you hear a trans person speaking of their um, experience in in coming into themselves, sometimes it can make you feel very insecure because it makes you feel like, well, am I not enough? Am I this? Am I that? I'm here to tell you you're not. I'm here to tell you that your journey is justifiable, your journey is perfect, your journey is accurate, and your journey is all up to you. This is all up to you. Nobody can tell you if you're trans, if you're not, if you're gay, if you're not, how to be trans, how to be gay. Nobody nobody can tell you that, and the idea that somebody could is just completely and heinous, completely heinous and bigoted and not accurately applied to any sort of other situation in life. By the time I got to high school and even much earlier than that, I very much kept my back to the wall at all times. I was always looking over my shoulder. I was so afraid. Um, People, even if they weren't directly bullying me or whatever, offhand comments um, would send me into a spiral because this idea of me being this person that I felt deep down was going to distance myself away from all of the comfort that I'd ever known. Um, There are many situations where you are queer and you're speaking to people about coming out and they will say, you know, give your parents a chance. It's not as bad. It might not be as bad as you think it will be. And unfortunately, in my circumstance, it was not that. I was very well aware of the fact that it was not going to be that. And that was always held over my head. I was 
definitely one of those kids that woke up every day and the first thought that they had was, oh no, I'm gay or oh no, whatever. And I would, you know, pray all the time. I would pray, pray, pray. Please God, please take this away from me. Please make me not attracted to men. Please help me feel like I am normal. Please help me feel like I'm acceptable. Please help me feel like I'm doing the right thing. Because I, I mean, I was the damn prodigal son or whatever. (laughs) When I grew up in the church, I was that kid. I was that annoying Bible thumping kid in seventh grade that was shaming other gay people, that was shaming other trans people, that was really projecting my hate um, through the disguise of love and that love that completely out of hand, <laughs> not actually love, I would call it hate, was shown to be my showed to me by my parents. And that's really all that I thought love was. And I thought that that was love. Even though that I knew every time that I did that, I was looking into a mirror. Because deep down, I understood that you could not separate the sin from the sinner. Because in my circumstance, in every context, I had been told that the sin was my femininity. And I knew that I couldn't kick it. I could disguise it, but any circumstance that I was acting acceptable, quote unquote, acceptable to these people, I was having to go through so much mental work in my head and fear before any word came out of my mouth, before I walked out of the house, before I dressed myself, before I moved my hands to be able to filter out myself, which was perfectly good, normal, and natural, and to present something that was acceptable and palatable and wouldn't have me ostracized. So moving to my junior year of high school, at the very beginning, I went in like guns a blazing. I was so excited. I was so, felt like I had my head on my shoulders. And then like a week or two in, a wave of depression and anxiety hit me like I'd never experienced before. And about four months or so, five months after that, on January 3rd of 2020, was when I came out to friends as, like, gay. As, like, attracted to something other than women. (laughs) And that was really good. It opened the doors for me to be able to start accepting parts of myself that were tied to femininity and start expressing myself in any way possible. So that was the time when I was going to school putting on some lip gloss and mascara in my car and, you know, wiping it off on the way home. And it was a lot of pressure. I was living, I was truly living double life. It was not the best of both worlds. It was like the worst of both. (laughs) And about a month or two after that, I ended up in a mental hospital because the pressure was just too much because I thought my parents knew and of course everything behind what that would entail with them knowing. And then a day after my 17th birthday during quarantine, I came out to my parents and it was not an ideal situation. I ended up um, not being able to live at home for a little while. And once I came back, Um, I spent the summer there at my parents' house and then was sent to a, like, private Lutheran high school. So at this point, I was to a point where I was well aware that I was pretty much alone. Um, I was in a school, a community mindset that really hated everything that I represented. 
This was also an election year, so that made everything a lot more difficult. And I had come to the mindset and kind of accepted that um, I am someone who is much different from what everyone wants me to be. So I'm going to have to know what's up. Like, I'm going to have to have a head on my shoulders. I'm going to have to know what I'm speaking about. And I'm going to have to be willing to speak about it. Because people are going to not be asking. They're going to be demanding. And they did. (laughs) I went into that school year honestly understanding that I was the scapegoat. And understanding there's a lot of other people in that school who felt like I did. And I had one year there and I was already out of the closet. Um, My parents already... I was already well aware of how my parents felt about me. I was already well aware of the future that I probably had with my family connections. And so I said, hell, I am going to be as loud as I can. And that year, there was a lot of development there. Um, Honestly, though, there was probably like a lack of development um, because I was so focused on trying to represent a community and trying to be my best version of myself. And also, I went to the school. I worked at the church um, that my parents went to. I lived at the house. Like, there was really not an outlet for me to actually express myself. However, um, in around, like, December or November of that year, my senior year of high school, I came to understand for myself that I was not a man. I did not know what that meant. At that time, I did not know enough about trans folks, trans women. I did not know a lot about anything, really. And I was still very scared. And at that time, that was the most successful thing to me. Um, I knew deep down that if I was going to say that I was a woman, as I am, It was going to be a long, long time before I was ever able to be that person in the way that I wanted it to be. And it would hurt way too much. And I was having to live at home. I was having to, you know, talk to my parents. I was having to play the game, play the part so that I could make it through. And accepting myself fully was going to distance myself so much more and make all of these interactions, make this time just so much worse for myself. So, in this phase of my life when I identified as non-binary, I really just started breaking down a lot of walls for myself. I started, you know, getting rid of some shames. It was also there, but at least intellectualizing with myself that I did not need to feel ashamed for these certain things. Uh, There's definitely a few times, you know, I would get me some makeup, and I would tell my mom I was sick and stay home from school and paint my face. I was booger down, but those days were like the time of my life back then. And I obviously didn't fully know it. I I didn't know if putting on makeup and dressing like a woman and being perceived as a woman (laughs) was something that was going to accurately reflect or fit in hand in hand with my then non-binary identity. Um, which for some people it can. There are some non-binary people who pass as their assigned gender at birth. There are some non-binary people who pass as another gender. There are some non-binary people who don't pass as anything. Um, and that's perfectly, that's, that's them. But we're talking about my experience now because I'm not trying to speak for anyone else. 
It was at this time that I really began like purposely exposing myself to a lot of different um, representations of queer identity. I knew for myself that I was not exposed to the things that I needed to be exposed to. And I've heard it said before, you don't know what is possible for yourself until you see someone like you do it. And at that point, my idea of transness didn't necessarily not entail being miserable. I was still very much bought into a lot of the traumas that had been thrust upon me. Um, I was told that as a trans, if you are trans, what that means is that you're mentally ill, that you are either running from God, you're running from your trauma, you are uh, sticking the finger to God, you are doing this, that, and the other thing, and you will be miserable, your life will be short, and lonely and you will die of AIDS at a very young age. Uh, that is very dramatic. That is very drastic. But that's that's what I was told. And that's a lot for a young trans person to process and in their own headspace be able to conquer and be able to look past that and be able to prioritize their own life and their own joy and happiness. And I really just wasn't there yet. I don't know about any of y'all, but a lot of my life is centered around drag race. I'm not sorry about it. <laughs> um, and the year before was when Gigi Good was on. And then my senior year of high school, they had come out as being gender non-conforming, being trans femme, and they had had FFS, which if you don't know is facial feminization surgery. And that really opened up so much for me. Seeing that, like, Instagram reel of her with the bandages on and speaking about the process and speaking about the healing and stuff, it really opened my eyes to so much. Because for me, again, there was so much not happening because I was afraid of the pain that it would cause me living this life of knowing who I was but not being able to fully represent that. And I was able to see this person who is assigned male at birth transitioning and looking how they wanted to someone that I very much identified with um and that really helped me to understand it was one of the first steps in me seeing that trans people can be very happy trans people can be who they want to be and I just want to take a little second to say we are very privileged not that we don't deserve every form of gender affirming care um every sort of political protection but given our history in America, we are living in a very privileged time. Anyways, then my senior year, pivoting back, um, Gottmik was on Drag Race and Gottmik was a trans man. And that messed with me mentally to see someone who is assigned female at birth who had transitioned to male and to see them being a drag queen. Not because I had any problems with it, but because it was exposing a lot of insecurities with my own freeness and my own ability to represent myself. This person obviously was going to face so much bigotry for the way that they chose to live their life. And just to be clear, gender identity and, and drag is two different things. Drag is an art, gender identity is a life. So what this was doing is really scrambling a lot of eggs for me and allowing me to see that there is a life to live where you truly don't care about 
these things that I had been told about gender, about the ways that we should express ourselves, about shame. And so it really just snowballed. Moving into that summer, I knew that I had a couple months left at the house. And I really just spent a lot of time mentally preparing myself for the first day that I moved to college, uh, spending every day becoming myself in any way that I could. Um, spending every day trying to access whatever was deep down inside of me. And at this point, I had, I guess, adopted the label of trans affixed to my non-barrier label because I that was the first time that I became aware of the fact for myself that the, the body that I was in at the time was not my final Pokemon evolution, okay? Um, and again, that was just a lot to process. And that was a lot that I couldn't really execute and handle at that time. So skipping forward from when I went to college, December 30th of 2021, I was disowned from my family, right? So then I kind of had one of the last layers peeled back of that fear of rejection and fear of losing that safety because I knew that was going to happen. I had been preparing for the time that I was going to be disowned. That's, that's just the reality of the situation. And what this did for me was it allowed me the space to care about myself or at least learn to care about myself a little bit. Um, again, moving forward, like a couple months after that, I had another realization, a little come to Jesus moment where I was like, yeah, oh my good Lord Lanta, I really need hormones. This is something that I really need for myself. But at that time, the mental work that I needed to do regarding my trauma was really holding me back from making any sort of decision. Um, regarding that, I was living, working towards living as a woman. I guess there was no way to look or live like a woman, but for me, I was working towards a point where I was able to present feminine. I was trying to wear different clothing. I was trying, I was wearing makeup. You know what I mean? I was growing out my hair. I was wearing earrings, things like that. It definitely was not getting me to any point of passable, which is a messed up concept, but we'll talk about that another time. But I was in my baby stages. And before I really could get any further, I really had to address a lot of deep, deep rooted trauma to allow myself to accept myself. So fast forward a few months after that, this is October of last year, 2022. I had gotten out of a relationship, very codependent relationship, and for the first time in my life, I was truly, truly, truly alone. Uh, I didn't have family. I didn't have a partner. I was living by myself. And I was left with my own thoughts. And I went through that for a couple of weeks of misery. Like, I really, I was so dissociated, which I was, like, my whole life. But it was just a lot of constant fear of everything and paranoia and shame and depression and not fun and I got to a point where I was so sick of it I was sick of being a slave to my trauma I was sick of not being able to accept myself I was sick of feeling this way about myself even though I 
mentally thinking logically knew that there was nothing wrong with me. So I got in therapy. I got in therapy and worked through a lot. I put in a lot of hard work and I got to a point where I was much more comfortable with myself. I got to a point where I was able to see a lot of things for lies that I knew in my head um, and know them in my heart as well. And the biggest thing was beginning to learn how to love myself, beginning to learn how to do things for myself and trust the head on my shoulders. I was, as a child, I was just gaslit out of all of my thoughts. I was told if I ever left my family that I was a nut job and I would, let's just say, I wouldn't make it out. I was told that I would be swept up in every passing wave and I didn't know right from wrong and I just listened to anybody that spoke to me and I was brainwashed and all of this, that, and the other thing. And I really believed that for a long time. I really believed that my thoughts were lies. I really believed that I shouldn't trust my thoughts or my emotions. And I really worked very hard to not have any of my own thoughts or emotions. So this time, there was a lot of growing pains. But this was a time of me learning how to listen to myself. Learning how to trust myself and learning how to love myself. It was only then that I was able to fully describe myself as a trans woman. And now it wasn't saying that I was a trans woman to defend myself. It was saying I was a trans woman because I was proud of myself. It wasn't saying with the, in the th- back of my head saying, I know that I look like a boy, so I need to thrust this down their throat so they get that they cannot mess with me and they get what's up. It was me just representing myself. It was me saying, this is who I am. This, it was me saying, I know reality. I know what I look like. I know this, that, and the other thing. And I am ready to take on this journey. I am ready to conquer this battle. I had done, no healing journey is ever over, but I had done enough work up until that point to feel comfortable moving forward with hormones, considering that, seeing what was, what my future needed to hold for itself. Then, through a trans woman that I knew from where I live, I was referred to a doctor and I called them and I set up an appointment. All I did is I called and I said I would like to set up a consultation for hormones, so they scheduled me. Now, I do want to get into a little bit of the logistics so that you can understand kind of how it goes, because I was afraid. I was nervous. Anyways, I went to the doctor and I was brought in and I basically was just kind of interviewed about how I felt Um, about myself, how long I had been identifying as trans, uh, how long I had been outwardly expressing that, why I felt like I wanted or needed to be on hormones, what I wanted to see out of the hormones changing in my body, all of these things. And it was honestly such a validating and uplifting experience. Because I knew going in there, I had this paranoia in my head that The doctor was going to look at me like I was crazy and this, that, and the other thing. But it was the complete opposite. It was someone who I knew had gone to school for years to do this medical practice. And they were hearing me speak about something. And they were like, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. And that was an incredible experience. 
And so I had already been in therapy and all of that. And I was cleared through or whatever. So they took my blood levels or they took my, they did blood work to to see my levels. (laughs) Pardon me. (laughs) And I got my prescription and I took my first dose. Woohoo! <laughs> Yay! Um, funny enough, that was on January 3rd of 2023, which is exactly three years after I came out for the first time, which is kind of magical and not planned that way. But anyways, I was given a very small dosage of a testosterone blocker and an estrogen pill. So basically what it does, the reason that you start on a small dosage is because it's not it's shocking your system um, if you do too much. It's shocking your system in some ways regardless, but what you're doing is you're trying to even out the levels because male and female people have testosterone and estrogen in their body. It's just over time slowly leveling it out to a place where your body is healthy, your body is safe, and your body is also doing what it needs to do with the feminine hormones. So at this point, I've been on hormones for about four months, and I can't express what it's done for me. I have done the mental work to get to a point um, where I'm much more mentally healthy than I was in the past. However, alongside these hormones, there is just something that happens. Like, I, for the first time, probably about three weeks ago, looked at myself in the mirror and was like, oh, oh, hi. That's you, isn't it? And it's still so early and I am so blessed to be here on this journey and where I'm at right now. And if I had to go through everything that I went through, if it took me being disowned, if it took this, that, and the other thing to get to the point where I'm at now, girl, I'm happy. I'm fine with it. I'm at peace. And you know, I'm beginning to feel, and a lot of other trans people begin to feel things on hormones that cis people have never gone a life without feeling. And I really think that's a big reason why it's so easy to politicize and demonize trans existence is because if every cis person truly understood how it felt to be lacking that sense of identity and that sense of comfort in your own body, I really don't think people would be trying to pull the badge in the ways that they are. I want to speak about some things that I wish I knew as I was along the journey of visually representing myself in the way that I wanted to. I was looking back at some old pictures from about a year ago when I had really started to try and lean into my femininity. And girl, I looked boogered down and that's okay. Um, I still see the beauty in my eyes. I still see so much beauty and light there. It's just that it wasn't who I needed to be and who I, who I was, you know? And so when you are baby trans and you are, whether maybe you're considering hormones, maybe you don't have access to it. Maybe it's just too early. Maybe you're just dabbling. Never let anybody make you feel less than for looking other than what society deems as attractive or accessible or okay. When you really think about it, why on earth would I take style advice from the patriarchy? Why on earth would I change the way that I want to look for misogyny? 
What is that doing for you? Maybe it'll get you laid. Girl, you're better than that. Dysphoria is a very real thing. And sometimes, no matter how much you have your head screwed on, you're going to feel dysphoria. And that is a feeling that I could not even fully describe to you. It is a feeling of anxiety. It is a feeling of disgust. It is a feeling of just discomfort. Just intense discomfort. But when it comes to the world out there and when it comes to those other people, if you are not feeling dysphoric in the way that you are looking, if it is giving you euphoria, no matter what anybody else says, rock it, do it, be that, run with it, learn from it. These people, like I said, they don't get how it feels to not feel that way about yourself. And if what you got to do right now is experiment, is be a little booger, do it. Do it. You deserve that for yourself. And anybody else who is going to shit on you for doing something outside of their comfort zone, it's exactly that. It is their own insecurity. I can't tell you how many times before I even started hormones that I would have women being jealous of me because whatever. It wasn't because through the male gaze or whatever, I was more attractive than them. I still had a penis. I still didn't have boobs. But I was willing to take those risks. I was willing to be the person that I wanted to be. Even to men who couldn't exactly relate to that kind of path, that kind of pipeline. People are afraid of bravery. Because everyone is is scared. Maybe it's not about their gender. But everyone is scared. And seeing you walk around confident, owning who you are, no matter what you look like. No matter if you are Paris Hilton or Trisha Paytas. But like Trisha Paytas, like 2010 troll era, girl, you are it. The only reason that people are going to come from you is out of their own hate and their own insecurity. And I get that that is a very played out thing, but it is so true. And at the end of the day, are you going to stop being you because Kathy down the street don't like it? No, because then you would never be you. There's always going to be a Kathy down the street. And chances are there's going to be a lot. When you are in that phase where you don't necessarily fit in a box if that is something that applies to you it's there's gonna be times where it's not fun I went a good year where I more than that where I did not get to go out in public without at the very least being stared down not in a way of oh in a way of like I want to hit you with my car and much worse than that and that is hard. I, Our society needs to change. And it's not fair that we have to go through that. It is not fair in any way, shape, or form. And I'm not even going to say that that is a universal experience everywhere. But what I am saying is do not wait or expect for people to support you. Period. Because if you are waiting for people to look at you and tell you, oh, that, oh, that, that's great. You should follow that. You're never going to, that's never going to happen. And it's not going to be coming from you. It's not going to be actually you pushing yourself forward and pushing the light of your insides outward. It's going to be still you trying to conform in some way, shape, or form. And that's not what you're trying to do. You're not trying to conform. Like for me, when I was on my... A journey and coming into myself and considering hormones getting on hormones my goal was never to be pretty my goal was never to actually necessarily get on hormones my goal was to be happy in whatever way that that looked like 
And for me, being on hormones is definitely contributing to a much higher quality of life. But there was a long period of time where I did not get the privileges that I have now. Because luckily, I live in a place where if, and I'm at a place in my journey where if you don't look too close, I really don't, I don't, there are no problems caused by me walking around. If anything, it's the pervs who are staring you up and down. And that is a universal female experience. If you're on a journey of discovering your transness, of making necessary changes in your life to feel comfortable, honestly, the best thing that I can say to you is hold on to that. Hold on to that tiny vision or glimmer of hope that a lot of other people probably aren't going to be able to see in you. Hold on to that vision, that idea of who you're going to be someday, even if it's a little fuzzy. It was very fuzzy for me. But hold on to that and keep it in your back pocket. And when you're walking around and you know that you're not where you want to be someday and you know that you might look a little busted and you know that you might look like a man or something, know that someday, someday, you are going to be able to align yourself with that version of yourself in your head. And that vision is going to be so, become so crystal clear that you could cut yourself with the pixels, Okay. I don't understand technology. That was probably out of line to make a reference like that. But really, (laughs) all I got to say is you do you. You go for you. This world, this society that we live in, depending on the state, it's not very welcoming of us, period. And you got to be aware of that. But the only way it's going to change is if we keep forcing people to make us have a seat at the table. There are going to be hard times. There are... There are going to be hard times. And I want you to be aware of that. But what we're not going to do is give up. What we're not going to do is let the fear of this patriarchy force us into a life where we are not happy. And we're really not even living. We might be alive, but we're not living. We don't deserve that. And those people do not deserve the power that they get by enforcing these social and political standards that put them above us. When in reality, we're all equal. And we, if you're going on this journey, if you're working on yourself, if you're doing what needs to be done, we are getting to a point where we understand things that these people wish that they could. There is something so transcending and magical about the trans experience and what you learn that gives you tools that makes you see the world completely different. And we are the people that are going to change the world. And we are the people that the people who don't want us to change the world, who are holding us back, want to be like, period. Okay, I can tell you that. I can tell you that from experience. The reason people are afraid is because they want to have the freedom that we have. And so give yourself that freedom. Look around and see that these people who are holding you back, no matter what good life you think they're living, you can live something where internally you are experiencing more peace and joy than you ever thought and that those people are jealous of. That is not to say that hormones or wearing makeup or whatever is going to fix everything. Go to therapy. Do the work. Figure your stuff out. Okay? I'm happy we had this talk.
I feel like that is a good ending point for today. If we're being for real, for real, every podcast is going to have something to do with the trans journey, the trans experience, yada, yada, yada. There's a lot of things I want to talk about. And it's all for the purpose of like hoping that somebody else doesn't have to spend as much time doing it alone as I did, period. Let's do some affirmations real quick. One, I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Listen to that. Let it sink in. I don't have to prove anything to anyone. Two, I am worthy of love and I can give myself all the love I need. You are. You're worthy of love. And if you don't got anyone giving you love, you are a-okay. You have the potential to give yourself all the love you need. And three, I am capable of anything that comes my way. You made it this far. You made it this far. Keep pushing. That's all I got to say. Thank you for listening. I hope this had some sort of an impact. Um, Please tune in for the next episode. Please tell your friends. Please tell someone to listen about to this podcast who is like super transphobic and tell them it's like true crime or something. Maybe they'll learn something. Anyways, I hope you all have a great, great day. I hope you guys are doing good. I hope you guys are working on yourself and I hope life is treating you well. Alrighty. Thank you. Bye-bye.